0: And again, it's Murphy Houston on Mile High Magazine, and we're glad you're back. Joining me today is my friend, Jayla sanchez warren who runs the Area Agency on Aging over at Dr. Cog, the Denver Regional Council of Government. And we're talking with Dr. John Douglas, who runs Tri-County Health here in Colorado formerly worked for the CDC, which, you know, is in the headlines a lot now with the COVID-19 virus. And we're going to talk with John and get you up to date on what's happening in Colorado. John, how you doing? I'm
1: uh, doing just fine, Murph. Uh, uh, plugging along.
0: Uh, have you caught up on some rest?
1: I, I've gotten a little rest, yeah. Yeah, no complaints there.
0: Well, that's good because you've been uh, doing the job, as we were mentioning before we started uh, recording here, that you've seen you on TV a lot lately. They're really getting on to you, huh?
1: Uh, yeah they don 't let me alone
2: <laughs> they, they, they have now discovered the resource that we knew all along right he 's an expert in infectious disease, and so they want to they want to get him on but he tells us we 're his first love so <laughs> <laughs> we,
1: appreciate
0: we appreciate his loyalty As, uh, Dr. Douglas only runs Tri County Health and he has for a while he always worked for the, also worked for the cDC which is at the heart of the matter and. And, uh, John, let's get to it. Uh, what's going on in Colorado? Are we keeping up? Are we falling behind? What's happening?
1: So, um, I, you know, I think we're keeping up. We're, we're, the, the, the curve is getting steeper, and therefore the race is getting harder, and we have to run uh, with more energy to keep up. And what I mean by all that is that we are clearly seeing more cases across Colorado. Um, as we expected to not really a surprise seeing more cases we're seeing more people in the hospital we're actually sadly seeing more deaths resulting from it Um, we uh, believe that the various measures that have been put into place to reduce social contact these are social distancing measures are beginning to show benefit Um, and at the same time we think that our colleagues in the healthcare industry are beginning to get things in place for better ICU capacity, better non-ICU hospital capacity, and potentially better capacity for folks who aren't sick enough to put in the hospital but need to be somewhere. So lots of moving parts going, complicated, but I think right now I am cautiously optimistic that if we can maintain what we're doing in Colorado, we won't escape this unscathed, but I think we will probably do as well as we could expect.
0: Well, it seems the separation process is really helping. Do, do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, it is helping. Um, we, we, we currently don't have measures from Colorado that say it's definitely uh, dampening the epidemic. We do have measures the governor's been telling us about, about traffic patterns, about cell phone patterns and whatnot that say we really are staying at home. The question is, are we staying at home enough? And the stay at home or um, being safer at home orders that came through last week that I frankly think many of us are really taking seriously, I think will add to our security that we will, will be able to... Uh, um, you know, take this seriously. As, as the governor has pointed out, and public health departments are charged with, quote, enforcing these public health orders. And, you know, we're not trained as, as law enforcement agencies. We're trained to do population health promotion. And so when we get asked to shut down a business or make a judgment about a golf course, this has been a topic in mean, the news recently, you know, we're out of our. Uh, not exactly comfort zone but this is not stuff we do every day so we have been trying to be attentive to this in the community because we do have a but we really do believe that what the governor said is absolutely true that it really is almost like a World War II victory garden effort of everybody looking for ways they can contribute toward helping us and frankly being as attentive as we can to go out only if necessary is really a key part of that
2: Dr. Douglas, um, we're getting a lot of calls in our office about those folks living in nursing homes and the last and assisted living. The last number I have is 17 facilities have have residents with nursing or residents that have COVID um, in the state. A lot of people are really frustrated because the health department doesn't want to release that information to uh, to the general public. Can you talk a little bit about why that is?
1: Um, we have the, the, the question of what is the right amount of information to release. Jalen is really an important one, and um, we have been increasingly uh, conscious of how the, the difficulty of striking a balance. We're trying, on the one hand, to provide actionable information to the public. When will knowing something specifically actually make a difference in terms of? how a community acts, how a law enforcement agency acts, how first responders act, and this kind of thing. Um, On the other hand, there's this issue of not providing information that could could stigmatize people, could stigmatize a community, could stigmatize a particular socioeconomic group. Um, I think there's a, a vast hunger in the community to know what's going on. And we're really trying to right-size that balance as much as we can. Now, we haven't been releasing information about, you know, Anschutz Medical Center has three more people in the hospital with COVID, because frankly, it's not clear that will impact things in the community. We also have not been proactively releasing information about new nursing facilities with outbreaks or or cases for the very same reason. We certainly are discussing that with those who w- we believe and have been demonstrated have a need to know, but it's, it's again, trying to work through that balance. I will say that we've, we've been asked to look at examples from other countries where, frankly, I think the, the, the nation did a better job of controlling the outbreak. We've been considering the examples of some of the Southeast Asian countries, Korea, Taiwan, Singapore, Hong Kong who really jumped on their epidemics faster than we did. And one of the things they've been doing, frankly, is sharing more information than we do. Like, here's the address of a person with COVID, or here is the place that a person with COVID is working. So if you were anywhere near that, you should be aware that you could have been exposed to it. Um, We don't have those methods in place now, but I do think those are the kind of things, including... Uh, if we can determine there's a need to know which nursing home facilities have got outbreaks for more proactively sharing that information. So I'd say, in, in summary, work in progress. I don't think we've got the balance quite right yet. I think we've uh, got to figure out how we move uh, toward providing better information, while still really, as best we can, preserving confidentiality. Uh,
2: yeah, Dr. I, Dr. I, it John, is a Dr. really big challenge.
0: Yeah. Oh, sorry, Jay, I didn't mean to jump in. Uh, Dr. No,
2: John okay. Douglas,
0: Tri-County Health. With us. I have to ask you, John, because I, I know because uh, you're running the rules for Adams and Douglas and Arapahoe County specifically, and, and most of the state you're involved with, of course. You reopened the golf courses, which made a lot of us happy, but want to know why. Are you getting a lot of heat over that?
1: Um, well, first of all, we... Uh, um we had ex- we we had a tri county order in place for about 24 hours. We issued ours last week, and about six hours later. Thankfully, because we think it was a better way to go, the governor issued his own order. We had decided because we had heard some concerns about overcrowding and non-attention to social distancing in golf courses that it was frankly too great a temptation for people like you to go out and play golf and not really. No (laughs) point fingers, buddy.
2: Yeah,
1: (laughs) and not really, not really. I'm I'm being serious. Not really observe appropriate social distancing. When the governor's order came out and didn't include it, we said. The first thing we want to do is avoid confusion because we put out an order and then six hours later the governor puts out an order. Let's make it simple. Let's just simply pull back our order. We knew that golf courses was one of the areas where we were stricter, and that was going to create, you know, potentially some confusion. What we've done in in the last several days, Murph, is issue guidelines that we're actually happy to see that the governor has echoed about golf courses staying open. But, but, here's the things you have to do, not just hey, go out and have fun and don't get too close to each other, but rather, you can't have your clubhouse open, period. You can't have your driving range open unless you can guarantee that people are spread apart. Don't drive golf carts. Lots of people like to drive golf carts, but the whole rationale for golf courses staying open is not social activity, it's outdoor exercise. And golf carts often have several people in them, some of whom are not in the same household. So we've issued some guidance and we're gonna be following up to see if the golf courses are you know, honestly playing ball with it. Our our goal in the orders was not to inconvenience parts of life. It was along the large theme of reducing social interaction, except for those areas that were quote essential. And you might say, Why is golf essential? Golf in and of itself is not essential, but golf is one of the ways that an essential activity, which is exercise, can happen. And that's why we uh, have currently uh, seemingly reversed course, but we've done so in a way that we think is is appropriate for the, the current context.
0: Good answer, Dr. Douglas. Jayla, go ahead and ask what you were going to ask. I felt like I just stomped you out about five minutes ago.
2: No, no, I I was just talking about how difficult it is to balance all of these, you know, concerns. Um, I think we're finding it hard at at the Area Agency on Aging as well. We run the Long-Term Care Ombudsman Program. That's why we're getting a lot of calls from Families and even staff and residents asking us questions, and um, it is that balance between being helpful and and then not also, you know, um, uh, some people react really negatively to hearing that you know um, someone has has COVID and and wants them out as opposed to want to help them. So it's it's that balance that we're always looking for. We've had family members want to take their loved ones out of facilities, and um, that's not always is a good idea, especially if you're in a nursing home. There's a reason you're in a nursing home. and so. Um, but there's a lot of valid uh, concerns out there, and um, we just want to give the right answers when we're, when we're talking to folks. So it's really helpful that you gave us that information, yeah. Dr. Douglas.
1: Um, you know, I do want to acknowledge something that I, I think it's certainly our partners in the business community have reminded us very loudly, is that the various social distancing measures that we're undertaking, because we think it the only way to turn the tide on the epidemic, or not, without pain. Yeah. So, with businesses closing, we just heard this morning over six million people file for unemployment nationally, a new record over last week's record of three million people. There is there is huge economic pain happening right now, and I think all of us are attentive to being sure the cure is not worse than the disease. The economic analyses I've seen suggest pretty strongly that an ongoing, uncontrolled epidemic will not only create more personal health hardship and more, more deaths, really, but it will also create a more difficult economic situation. So we believe that the kind of things that are happening now will help us both with the health part as well as ultimately the economic part. But I just want to acknowledge as a public health professional that I know that this is a really tough time economically for small businesses, some even big businesses, and certainly people whose livelihood is being threatened. I guess I also want to call out some of my personal heroes. I'm a doctor, I used to do, my specialty was infectious diseases, that would have included things like COVID, I used to work in hospitals, I'm not doing that anymore, but my colleagues who are, are fantastic heroes. And I think in some ways, less visible heroes are our friends and neighbors who are Uh, running things like grocery stores and providing food to us, that's not a very high-profile job. It's absolutely vital. And I think all of us need to be remembering those people who are really, uh, in some ways, potentially taking the hit for us by being in in more open settings so that we can be sheltered in place and uh, be able to maintain our necessary activities.
0: Good point, Dr. Douglas. Good job. And we uh, appreciate you joining us each and every week during your busy time. But these updates are valuable to all those listening now to No Co-Pay Radio and seniors in particular because they kind of get shut in and they're not sure what everything is going on. So thanks for those updates, and I think we'll probably talk to you next week if that's cool with you.
1: That sounds great, Murph. Jay, look good to be with you guys. Stay well. Thank you so much.
2: Good
0: job, Jayla. Good job there, too. Good questions, as always. Jayla, thanks for being with me today. Dr. John Douglas of Tri County Health, thank you for being with us. And this is Mile High Magazine. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next weekend. Stay safe and stay healthy.